Hello everybody, it's me, producer Ross, and welcome to another edition of Game Day Extra Time, the show where fans have their say on their club. And this is the third serving of the Kings of Anglia podcast. We've had the star, we've had the main, let's get into the dessert. That sounds better in my head, but here we go. I'm joined by the Game Day regulars and also two men making their debut, so let's get right into it. Let's bring up first, it's Ben. How you doing, my friend? It's good to have you on. Uh, hope you had a good week. And let's get into the recap of the Peterborough defeat and the Sunderland defeat. Your thoughts on those games? Yeah, first of all, thank you very much for uh, having me on. But yeah, I mean, first of all, let's, as you said, talk about the two defeats. The Peterborough game, well, there wasn't really much to say, to be honest. It wasn't a great game. I thought we were far worse in that game than we were against Sunderland. And the Sunderland game, to be honest, and I think a few people might disagree with me here, but I thought we were very unlucky to lose. Especially going down to 10 men, I thought we kind of handled it quite well. Not playing with a recognised strike up front until the second half. So to be fair, we do have every right to be disappointed about the Sunderland result. Caden Jackson kind of cost us the game, which I think we can all agree on. And the Peterborough game, well, I'm sorry, Another controversial opinion, but I think Peterborough are by far a better side than us. Stay away, David. Don't say anything yet, just yet. Uh, that's his favourite side. Um, but up next, making his debut, I'm sure he's going to have a better debut than Mark Fish. Just chuck a Mark Fish in if you, anyone knows about Mark Fish. His debut was not good. But um, good old Tom. Uh, we've got Thomas, but I'm going to call him Segs from now on on the podcast. But Tom, how you doing? And yeah, your thoughts on those two defeats. Not good, my friend. Yeah, evening Ross, evening everyone else. Um, I think I'm probably about half the age of Mark Fish now than what he was then when he uh, made his debut. So thanks for the fantastic comparison. Um, yeah, the thoughts on Peter and Sunderland. The same as what I said to you after the Burton game. In this league, in, in these types of games, there's moments of quality that basically define the amount of chances that you'll have. If a team in League One, a good team, has uh, players that can produce those little moments of quality that's going to open up chances for their strikers or for those players in general, then they will score goals. The trouble is with us at the moment, I don't know whether it's if we have the players or whether we don't, those little moments of quality where you have a nice little touch or a nice little last ball in order to create a little bit of space, we just don't have it. And, and none of the players at the moment look like they're going to be able to produce it anytime soon. It's the reason we only had four shots on target in those two games. And, and that's not good enough. I know we went down to 10 men for 80 minutes, uh, the Sunderland game, but it, it's not good enough. And even if you're not playing Peter and Sunderland and you're playing the likes of Burton or Gillingham or one of the lower teams, you know, it's, it's just not good enough. And to be honest, a quick, quick final thought before I pass on to anyone else. I think for the Sunderland game, especially Kane Jackson's escaping major criticism here. Are we all uh, completely, oh, I think I speak for everyone on this, um, on this panel at the moment, who wants Lambert out. So obviously, naturally, after the game, the focus is on Lambert. And even though Kane Jackson, and let's be honest, produced a horrendous challenge, one that deserves three red cards, um, he's not getting any criticism his way because it's almost seen as like for the greater good if we were thinking that Lambert was going to get sacked. That's a horrendous challenge for anyone to make. And I don't, I don't see anyone defending him, but I don't see anyone giving him stick either, even though, in my opinion, he completely deserves it. Okay, then. I'll get someone else's thoughts on that as well. I want to go over to Harvey. Sweet Welsh Prince himself bringing us some hopefully some joy in the current dark times. Hope you had a good week, my friend. And uh, yeah, your thoughts on the, the two defeats. I'm going to try not to say defeats all the time because, you know, we know we lost. But um, your thoughts, my friend. 
Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Uh, nice to be uh, here with you all again. Um, I mean, what what is there left to say, to be honest? Um, I agree in terms of we were a lot better um, against Sunderland, but were we that great? No. Um, we look solid defensively, uh, which I suppose is a positive, but I know we have Jackson sent off. We just still, we just look so out of ideas going forward. Um, the Peterborough game was, was really, really poor. Um, and it's just, we're going back to Lambert and these, these stubborn tactics. Um, I know we're all calling for 4-4-2. It's pretty impossible to play 4-4-2 now because I don't think we've, got, we've only got Aaron Dryden and, and Freddie Sears and that's it. I don't think we've got any other cover. So um, I, I can't see that happening. Um, I don't know what, what anyone else thinks in terms of the Sunderland game, but I thought even with 10 men, they were there for the taking. I really did. And the reason I say that is I, I thought they looked really, really average. I, I really did. And that's probably partly because they've, they've got a new manager. Um, you know, Lee Johnson's still trying to get his ideas, still trying to bring in his own philosophy that he, that, um, you know, that he had at Bristol City. I really did think they were there for the taking. Um, unfortunately, an act of stupidity from from Jackson. Um, you know, as, as Tom said, it was an utterly horrific tackle. Um, so I don't think I've seen any interest fan argue with the fact that it was a red. Um, but even even with ten men, I thought if we just be a little bit more bold in our play, I thought we could have nicked something. And even if it was only a draw, because I thought Sunderland were poor, I really did. I, you know, I, I kind of feared the worst as soon as we then went down to ten men. But they looked they looked average at best. So I think we it was a missed opportunity. Um, but you know, how often are we going to say that under under Lambert's stewardship? You know whether we've got 10 or 11 men on the pitch. You know, I was listening to the game day interviews where John said, we don't look like scoring with 11 men, so we're not going to score with 10. So I think that just sums it up perfectly where we are at the moment. OK, and you've mentioned John, so I'll just go over to him next then. Good old John Watson. How you doing, my friends? Um, yeah, not a good week to be a town fan. Well, it's not been a good month, season, year, many years to be a town fan, but uh, your thoughts on, on those two games? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ross. Lovely to be here. Um, try not to be too miserable about how sad and depressing supporting Ipswich Town is at the moment, because let's be fair, it is pretty crap at the moment. Um, but what can we say? Um, Tuesday was particularly tough for me because it's my hometown club. Um, a few mates will enjoy giving me stick. Um, you know, I made a stupid decision 36 years ago to support a team 282 miles away from my home, um, as opposed to Sunderland, uh, which was two miles away from my house. Um, you can't fall uh, help for who you fall in love with, but once again, Sunderland uh, managed to do us over. I mean, the Sunderland game, I thought we were better than we were against Peterborough, but I've said it dozens of times this year, the league isn't that good. League One isn't very good. There's nobody I've seen this year who is really at it consistently. I mean, I still don't think Hull are a good side, even though they're, you know, they got beaten the other night after scoring a few each game recently. Um, Lincoln, come on, Lincoln at top of the table. You know, we haven't, Peterborough are probably, well, I think they're a better side than we are currently, but they didn't look that clever on Saturday to me. They had an off game, but they still beat us. Sunderland aren't very good. 
going through a transitional period, but still managed to you know grind out a one nil against us with ten men. I think to be fair, I think the ten men changed the game. Um, it felt like I said to you after the game, but like a game of chess, when we had to just kind of patiently try to play out the game and then hopefully get to half time before they scored and they scored right on the, the stroke of half time. But ultimately, you know, we've been beaten by Swindon. We've been beaten by Sunderland and Peterborough. We narrowly, narrowly beaten teams who are right at the bottom of the league. I think we're devoid of confidence. We're lacking a serious threat up front. Um, you know, when Drennan came on, to be fair to the lad, he worked really hard and added something different, but he's not going to score the goals for us, is he? Um, and like um, Andy and Stuart have said on the main pod, you know, the timing of Jackson's red card and therefore not only the impact on that game itself, which was, you know, three points for that game, it's the next three games where he's going to be suspended for when we're probably not going to have Norwood. We're now without Jackson. That's a that's that's a double whammy of a blow, isn't it? Um, the four three three under Paul Lambert simply doesn't work for me though. So until that changes, I can't see us doing much better. Um, our fullbacks are going to be, you know, they're better as defenders than they are going forward, and they're not getting chance to overlap and help that midfield three by creating any width. That's a major problem. You know, I just, I don't know how it's going to get better until that change comes. I think we're, we're just going to, it's like each cut is going in and we're just slowly bleeding to death. That's an uplifting thought for us all, isn't it? <laughs> okay, I don't know how to segue that, um, but I'll go over to David because I'm sure he can... Uh... <laughs> You thought, you thought of bleeding death and you thought of me. Yeah, yeah. In a good way. Um, but, um, David, I hope you had a good week. Um, I'm sure, of course, town hasn't given us any any highs um, or any positive thoughts, but um, I'm sure you can help me through these two defeats. Um, I'm sure you're going to start off with the word bollocks because that is what it is at the moment. So, um, your thoughts, my friend. I wasn't going to use bollocks. I was going to say it's wank, but, um, you know, I, I can take bollocks if you want. Um, yeah, basically, that sums it up, doesn't it? Um, Peterborough were shit. We were worse. Um, Sunderland were shit and we were worse. Did it matter that Jackson was sent off, really? I mean, it gave Lambert an excuse, but that was the only bonus or effect it had because with Jackson on the pitch, would we have scored, really? It would have been a different game. We would still have made defensive cock-ups. You would still have had Ward deciding, um, I was only a defender five years ago, I'm not one now. People would get pulled out of position, they would have scored. We would have huffed and puffed. We would have had a half chance in the 89th minute. Um, Lambert would have turned around and said it was fantastic, it was amazing, it was brilliant, can't fault everybody, and rubber the green, and I used to play for a big club, did you know? Uh, don't feel any stress, don't give a toss about whether I've got a job or not. Um, repeat, 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 basically, wouldn't it? So, yeah, I mean, we made it difficult for Sunderland, who aren't much, but they were, what, they were below us short, not long ago. They were, they've been sitting there for ages. I thought that it was the best chance we had of any of the top half the sides of beating them. But Lee Johnson's starting to do something. But no, Sunderland aren't much. But there's not much in this division, is there? Can you genuinely say there's been a side that you've seen as play over the last two years who was 
properly a de- decent side. You you came away like a few years ago when West Brom came as five one or the um, QPR game with Trebant in it or all of those where you think, well, yeah, that that's a good side we've just played there. We deserve that. We we lose because we're shit because we make stupid decisions because we're tactically inept. You know, there was a thing I saw of some pass maps and options and they focused on chambers but this applies across the board decision making you know you've got a runner you've got somebody going through and i've seen this with jackson jackson's been pointing and saying i want the ball here and we tap it backwards we we go wide further out onto the touchline rather than playing somebody in behind a defender the decision making in the final third is horrendous and it's always safety first drynan he had a decent position, but he wasn't watching what was happening with the ball. He said, oh, yeah, what? Somebody's passed to me. Um, if there'd have been 11 players on the pitch, there would have been more space. We would have attacked a little bit more. They would have defended in a different way. We just got 10, everybody behind the ball, which made it hard for them. Um, you could argue credit because normally when we go down to 10 men, then we get a hiding. Unlike when other people go down to 10 men against us, where suddenly it's very difficult to play against 10 men. I'm thinking Preston a couple of years ago and others where managers say, oh, yeah, playing against 10 men is so difficult, unless it's us. <laughs> um, so I'll give them two out of 10 for at least making it vaguely difficult and being organised. But that's sort of the absolute bare minimum you expect. And it wasn't really organised because... The, Sunderland goal was entirely our fault. It wasn't they suddenly had a moment of genius. We just fucked up because we're useless. Um, but, you know, you're, you're playing yet another set at the back. It's, yeah, it's just ongoing wank the whole time. And I did come away at the end of it saying, why? I put poor Rachel through watching that. Um, she's watched more football this season than she's ever watched before and she even she said that that was that was terrible she said that was the worst thing she's had to watch so i, I apologized profusely afterwards for forcing her to do that when they could have been paint to watch dry or something that's david's um, wife by the way for the listeners <laughs> <laughs> if i know who rachel is but yeah you do now um, I, I just name drop i assume everybody knows everybody in my life it's, it's you know <laughs> if, if not why not <laughs> You know, um, I'm on social media enough. People should know what's going on in my life. Yeah, yeah, so why? The the, the more important thing, rather than those games, because frankly, yeah, why? This, I've been been having lots of arguments on social media this week. You'll be surprised to know, Ross. Standard. Um, Yeah, standard. There's there's a whole thing which it started off with, and I, I think it's important to comment on, which is why I'm bringing it up. I don't know if somebody's raised the issue of Toto and the criticism of Toto. And it was just a, a question. Is the criticism of Toto um, fair criticism? Or is there something in it because of his racial background? It was a question. And I think it's a fair question. And I had to think about it. Because I'm, as you know, I'm quite a critic of Toto. I'd give him a free transfer, personally, because I think he's a waste of space. Um and it is also a fair question because I, I give Chambers a bit of a free pass. I know Liam doesn't, but I do give Chambers a bit of a free pass because he's captain, he's been there, and I see the 
passion that he's got was being worth something. And I want him to do well. I want him to be the captain when we go back up. So, and I, I like the idea of somebody who's been there for a long time, you know, testimonials, Yallop, all of that. So I do give Chambers a free pass and I do get on Toto's back. Is that fair or is it not? And I, I asked the question, it, it's, it's also fair because last year there was a thing where some commentators had to apologise because they'd made comments about... Um, Young footballers, I think it was from Nottingham Forest, suggesting they had a bad attitude and things. And it buys into a trope, which a lot of people automatically go to, that a black player is um, physical, he's um, got, he relies on instinct, he's all of those things, but he's probably got a bad attitude. And it buys into a trope that goes across um, racial stereotypes. So it's worth thinking about. For what it's worth, yeah, I, I, I've, I've made mistakes that way in the past, made, made cultural assumptions. It's not about Toto, that's just because I think he's crap. But it's worth thinking about. And a lot of people got on their high horses about it. And they took it very personally, and it's not personal. All of us on here are white men of various ages. And none of us have gone through, I don't imagine, experiencing aspects of racism and so on. And to question yourself, I think, is important in that context. And it's not accusing anybody. And this is what I said on social media, and I got grief for it. It's not accusing somebody of something. It's just saying, check your privilege. Think about what you're saying. Where does that come from? Would I say that about somebody of that, of a, of a different race, different perspective? And the same thing applies with people who are LGBTQ, because... I've got this as well this week because there are a number of Ipswich supporters who casually just held out, and I'm not saying that they've been biased, they've just, without thinking, used a homophobic slur and then got really defensive when called out for it. And I'm not accusing them of anything because I think it's just a casual use of language. But it's worth thinking about those things. And it's important because we have, not just at Ipswich, across football, there are fewer black people on the terraces than you would expect. Black people are very well represented on the football pitch. Asian people aren't, but they're not well represented on the terraces. And LGBTQ people are not represented well on the terraces, and they're not certainly not represented on the pitch. There's no out professional footballers. I think I mean, it's, it's about the, the fifth tier, fifth, sixth tier before you've come across anybody who's out. And you hear homophobic slurs on the terraces and things, and that makes people uncomfortable. You see it on social media. And I think that having that discussion in a reasonable way is something that's really important. The big football thing this week has been calling that and having that discussion and trying to lower the temperature so people aren't getting exercised by it and thinking it's personal. It's not. It's a general thing, and I think that's really important. I'm sorry, Ross, if you because this wasn't anything to do with Peterborough and um, Sunderland. I just thought it was important to bring up um, and talk about, especially seeing as next month you've got um, Football Against Homophobia coming up. It's, it's a month for that. And generally speaking, I think that we need to be aware and make sure that we all improve ourselves, however much we're aware of it and i'm i'm aware of it it's something which is really important to me across my whole life but i can always do better and i think raising awareness 
and talking about things can only do good, which is why which is why I brought it up now. So if you th didn't think it was fitting in here, then I'm sorry, but that that's been my week, and it's been far more engaging than um, talking about Sunderland. I have to say. No, I think I think that was you know well said there, David. Because at the end of the day, there could be people listening to the podcast right now who could be in that sort of boat, and you know I think that's a good, I think it's good for us to bring that awareness out there, and it's good for you to bring it up. So thanks for doing that, David. And anybody else wants to to speak about it, let me know. Put their hand up, and we'll get into that. Um, but I'll get into bringing Thomas back in now, or Seconds is going to be his name. But thank you very much for that, David. Um, I'm trying my best to find a way to segue this, but um, segue to seconds. Yeah, that, oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> um, if you want to add any more to the the defeats against Posh and Sutherland, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, just gonna say well done. Oh, well said, David. Uh, completely agree. But um, I haven't got any more to add because he said it perfectly. But uh, in terms of Peterborough, I thought it was a poor game. It was a crime to lose to someone who had no shots on target. Um, so. In terms of that, it's just just a rubbish game, and we des didn't deserve to lose as such. But we were both poor, and it's just it was it should have been a nil nil, and it's ended that way. I know I said on game day that um, much rather it had been Nadaba who scored that own goal than McGuinness, but you know it's what it is. And then in terms of Sunderland, um, I disagree with what's been said already, slightly in terms of how Sunderland were average and that. In my eyes. Getting a player sent off on in the tenth minute changed the game considerably. Um, I feel like they didn't need to get out of second gear once that happened because they already knew exactly what we were about, what we were about, and because of that, they didn't need to sort of improve the way they were playing or anything. So that's why people have been calling them average. But I don't think they they would have picked themselves up if they needed to against eleven men. But they knew they were playing against ten men without a striker for fifty-five minutes or. 45 minutes taken away the 10 minutes that we did have Jackson on there so in that sense I think Sunderland never really got out of second gear and that's why um, partly you know that we, we did well with 10 men um, especially up, up until they until Sunderland scored um, I still maintain and I know that would open us up a bit I think Lambert should have brought on a striker earlier not necessarily straight afterwards but he should have brought him on if you weren't going to bring him on before they scored, definitely bring them on after half time, after half time. Open up, change the game as soon as you start the second half, and try and get an equaliser. He left to the 55th minute. And we looked much better with Drynan once he came on, and he just left too late. And we've we've gone and lost another game. It's it's another game that's on his stats where he's lost another game to his loss percentage. And for me, it's it's just it, we were just dreadful. It was like I say we 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 did play better the second half, but the actual tactics and everything about it is just poor in my eyes and Jackson like Tom said <laughs> he doesn't get enough stick for it he, I know he apologised but it was, it was a horrific challenge and it, it has cost us the game um, it's another excuse for Lambert to use I know he called it horrendous but what he said afterwards was a bit silly as well um, how he was calling it horrendous and then basically Ben went Jackson he's let the teammates down even though we haven't beat a promotion rival in the past 18 months so you know, you can't blame it all on Jackson on that, I'm afraid. If, if we'd have beaten a few more promotion rivals, we could have took that result and thought, fair enough, it's a 1-0 loss to Sunderland, you know, in the top eight. It's just one of those things. But the fact of the matter is, we still haven't beat a top eight side in the past 18 months, and God knows when we're going to. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Okay, then. 
The final man to introduce is good old Liam from Crew. We take on Crew, of course, this weekend. Your boys, um, of course, where you're from, you're not a team you sport. Um, but yeah, 25 minutes into the podcast, I'm now bringing you in, Liam. Um, round up the recaps of the games. And also, you've got a debate to, to begin. So take it away, my friend. Yeah, well, I'll try not to be 10 minutes this time, uh, seeing as there were 25 minutes already. Um, but um, it's a mess. Is is basically how I sum up everything at the moment. It's just a big mess, um, and part of me kind of wishes that the season could stop now, um, and that everything that's going to happen in the summer we can get on with and start rebuilding the club with a new new team. Because I, I can guarantee there'll be a lot of players going in the summer, um, and. And just try and see if we can start afresh because I think it just needs a massive reset. Um, going on the two games, uh, I mean, Peterborough was it's it's same old, been dire. Um, and then the Sunderland game it, for me, it, the weird thing is after the Peterborough game, Lambert said he couldn't ask any more of the players and that he thought they played really well, which, uh, I mean, um, I can uh, almost attribute that to uh, our prime minister at the moment with certain things that he's been saying about um, how his government have been doing, which I won't go into, but it, it's just, it, it, it's just complete and utter fabrication you, you can't understand how he actually can come to that conclusion but if I'm honest his if he had uh, and he said something fairly similar after the Sunderland game I think those words were warranted I don't think the players could have given much more for him uh, against Sunderland I thought that they they did really well in a, a trying situation um like Tom I, I uh, or seconds, as I'll call him now. Um, I, I, I agree that they should have brought on Drynan earlier, but I think at half time that um, change should have been done. Um, and had we got to nil nil, then great. And maybe if it had been nil nil, then bringing him on a bit later might be might have been the better thing anyway. But the fact that we conceded so late in that first half. We, I think we had to do it at half-time. But I don't think we were actually lost anything uh, in that first half. We were compact, difficult. We, in fact, our wingers trying to cut inside and so on um, looked a lot more dangerous than Sunderland did pretty much throughout the entire half. So just without really that cutting edge at the end. Um, but it, it's, it's just a weird game because... We've lost again and everyone will, but it's an excuse for Lambert, which will give him a bit more time. Um, but the, the, the big thing for me, and, and these, these are the questions I want to raise, the kind of debate questions, is I've heard a lot now about people saying that we should be this, we should be that, we should be winning this, we should be here. I mean, we all want Lambert out. And and um, and we have said a lot of things about Lambert and his tactical awareness and so on. But is it all Lambert, or are we? Oh, do we have to give some that look at the squad and say, well, actually, this squad isn't isn't as good um, 
as everyone seems to think it is. Um, and I mean, the other the other question arching on from that would be um, in the fact that we still don't know when Evans is going to trigger. Um, I think it's all going to be whenever it's mathematically no chance of promotion, either playoffs or automatic. Uh, when obviously that probably triggers a clause to let him go cheaper. But the question I would have then is, is if Evans is waiting for that moment, then it's all well and good to say we get a new manager and we try and go again next season, even though the salary cap will restrict us a bit. But I want to know what people think about how damaging that this, this next month could be that if he just keeps hanging on and hanging on and then finally makes the change, a lot of people have already threatened about them cutting season tickets and and some have already done it. Are those people going to come back? that's, That's the question. If change happens, are those people going to come back or... After years, I mean, I'm different because I'm I've I've only been a season ticket holder for a few years, um, and obviously I know what's been happening the last last uh, ten years. But I mean, I haven't watched the football at Ipswich for the last ten years all the way through. Um, I've come in pretty late, so for it's me, all your fault. it's it's, it, it's, it's all your quite fault. easy. Sorry, carry on. It's it's quite it's quite easy um, for for me to kind of say that I'll renew if if friends do, but there are long term supporters who potentially are going to not come back and watch Ipswich because it's continuous over the last ten years. So I, for me, I think it could be really damaging. I think you'll find supporters who have been supporting the club for years may never come back. And that's, I think, the biggest worry the club have. And I don't think the squad is is good enough. Um, and I, I think they talk a good game, but at the end of the day, they don't do the talking on the pitch. Downs today, I think, was in the press saying that he's getting there and, and he hopes to be at full fitness soon to help push for promotion. But They just keep talking a good game, but you never see anything on on the pitch. So for me, it's even tough thinking that if Lambert goes next week, that if a new manager comes in, is he going to get a better tune out of this out of this side? I I don't know. Now it's it's it seems to be very ingrained. Okay. So it wasn't a ten-minute rant; it was eight-minute rant. So it got a bit, got a bit lower. <laughs> but no, good, good words there. And um, you know, there's, you know, the questions there: Is the squad actually good enough? Is you know, are fans going to come back? And of course, you know, the paper, um, you know, the Sunday Day Times, it's your star, of course, made the the statement of "Times up, Lambert, make your decision, Evans." So I want to get your thoughts on. You know what Liam's just said, and also, did you think it was the right time for the paper to do the um, front page article and you know everything like that? I want to go over to you, Ben. Um, as of course I introduced you at the start of the podcast, and it's been a while yeah. since I heard from you. Um, so your your thoughts on what um, Liam's just said, and also, do you thought it was the right time the paper doing the front page? Oh uh, yeah, I mean to be fair, I think I've spoken about this a lot on Twitter that my passion as an Ipswich fan, has uh, diminished 
you know, along the last couple of years, if that makes any sense. First of all, my family are from Ipswich. Three generations of my family have been season ticket holders. I moved down to Cornwall a, a couple of years ago, so I haven't really been up regularly since. But still, you know, I love the club, but I, I reckon my passion for the club, my passion and faith in the owner is totally, totally gone, to be fair. And I think I said a couple of times a year, maybe about 12 times a year, I try to travel up to Ipswich. You know, that is a lot of money when you live all the way down here. And it's a lot of commitment as well, especially when you're at university, especially when you have to pay for rent and all of that. And yeah, you know, like that loyalty and that dedication to travel up there, for me, is no longer there. And you can judge if you want, but under the current football that we're playing at the moment, under Mar- under Paul Lambert, sorry, I almost said Marcus Evans, but... Marcus Evans should also take a brunt of the blame as well because, you know, like the club, and I apologise for the rant, isn't a club for the fans anymore. Marcus Evans is running it as a business. It's not a community club. It isn't the club a club anymore for those who live close to the stadium. Marcus Evans is purely running it as a mean to make profit. So... You know, like, like, it's quite a sad say in my opinion, and I know a lot of people are going to like disagree with me, but we've seen how much money Marcus Evans has put into the club. If he truly cared about Ipswich Town, then in the 14-15 season, when we could have been promoted, he would have, you know, he would have pumped something into the club. It's as simple as that. So yeah, I mean, I didn't, I can't remember the second part of your question, but yeah, it's a, it's a squad, you know. Is the squad good enough? Yeah, well, in my opinion, the squad is good enough. But, you know, like we've made some mistakes in the transfer market. Stephen Ward initially was a very good signing and he seemed to be class at first. But unfortunately, 35 years old, he hasn't got the legs in him, which is a shame to say, really, as in his prime, he was a great player. Kane Vincent Young, you know, I almost forgot about him until I remembered I was supposed to be on this podcast today. I don't think he'll ever properly make an impact at Ipswich Town as he's too injury prone. But yeah, there's such an imbalance in our squad. There's an imbalance between old players and young players. All of our young players are absolutely class. I'd prefer to see some of the younger players, somebody mentioned Barry Cotter earlier, play as maybe a fullback than Chambers and Ward. You know, Chambers is a great centre-back, but we can't play him every week because he's lost that yard of pace at the back and he's simply ageing, as is Ward. Freddie Sears, I have no idea why Freddie Sears didn't come on instead of Drynan last time out. In my opinion, Freddie Sears is by far more of a natural finisher, if that makes sense, than uh, Drynan is. All in all, we have some good players, players like Hughes, uh, maybe Ward next season. I reckon they need to be shown the door. But yeah, signings, we need signings. Hopefully Josh Harrop makes an amazing impact when he comes in. Hopefully he recovers from COVID and I hope he gets better soon. And hopefully Thomas, Luke Thomas, hopefully he makes an impact. But fingers crossed, you know, as an Ipswich Town fan, I apologise, but I'm not that optimistic anymore. I've lost my optimism. Did you think it was the right time for the paper to do the front page then uh yeah and no, I, I think a lot of fans are calling about it for a long time and ultimately i'm i'm a journalist or a journalism student and it's ultimately up to the editor sometimes over the stance that the club takes and in my opinion the club took 
you know, the perfect stance because a lot of the fans are saying this. And I agree with a part of the fan base that say, okay, the newspapers are our only voice, really, because we're not in the stadium making any noise. You know, like they, Marcus Evans can't judge our opinion based off the booze after four times. So really, it's the papers that are acting like those booze, if that makes sense. So in my opinion, yeah, the papers were absolutely right not to back him. I feel sorry for, for uh, Paul Lambert because he's suffering from COVID. If you heard his interview the other day, he did not sound well at all, coughing away, spluttering. I did feel bad for him. But yeah, ultimately, it's not being good enough. You know, like, I know, I think somebody else said that our squad isn't good enough. Well, under a better manager, maybe like Danny Cowley, maybe like a Gary Monk, haven't heard his name being thrown out there yet. Maybe they'll be able to get more out of our young players, more out of our senior pros, maybe give them a different role. But yeah, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. But yeah, the papers were bang on. Okay, then, Tom, I'm going to go over to you next. Um, questions to you. Is the squad good enough? Are you going to be renewing your season ticket or have you already cancelled it? Um, and also, was it right time for the paper to do the stance on Lambert out? Well, it's funny you should say about the season ticket and stuff like that because um, a couple of weeks ago, I, um, I put on social media that I wrote a letter to the club, or wrote an email to the club, rather, um, that basically housed all of my discontent um that's been building up over the last god knows how long i had a season ticket in 2000 i gave it up in 2016 so that's 16 years and then uh i've been going to games sporadically ever since ever since 2012 um ever since 2012 i've been away from uh suffolk i used to live in coventry then i lived in stoke on trent and I, now i live in brixton in london so it's an effort to go to games and everything that's been leading up to how we're all feeling now has just been one kick after another, one low followed by another low followed by another low. To answer your first, to answer the question about the newspaper, yes, it's completely the right time to have done it. I understand why people were moaning about them not doing it beforehand. They have to understand it is a fine line. Um, the newspaper does have a duty of care. I say of care. The newspaper has a duty. Uh, and once they set their stance on it, it's not easy to flip-flop. So I understand why they gave it consideration, but at the end of the day, there's no other way it could have gone, in my opinion, with the way that things have been going. So it's been done now. We should. Most people are still moaning about the fact that it might have taken a little bit of time. Not most people, some people. It's done now. Let's let's all just move on. That that's happened. Um, the thing that I want to just bring in is we do have a transfer window now. Some players could come in, and whether we have any money to spend is a whole another uh, discussion, which I won't which I won't bring up. At the end of the day, the whole a lot of the points that we've been making at the moment, like I said, lack of quality. Other people have said, you know, no, no real quality in the squad. Whatever, this squad on paper is good enough to compete at the top end of League One. Not be champions, not be runaway promotion contenders or whatever. It's good enough to compete at the top of League One. I know if you look at the table, we're tenth, tenth. What we're doing, we've all got eyesight and are blessed with a brain. We know it's not like that uh, when you look at the games. So what's the one thing that we can change right now in the squad? It's confidence. Because at the moment, there are a lot of players out there that I see. I think they're, they're good enough on their day, you know, seven times out of ten to make that right decision or to, to play that ball. or to, 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 They're professional footballers. If they couldn't do it in training or they couldn't have done it previously in their lives, they wouldn't be playing for Town Football Club right now, even though we're in League One. 
they haven't got any confidence. The reason they haven't got any confidence is because possibly they don't believe in the system that they're being played. They don't believe the management that um, are training them every day or the coaches. So the one thing that we can change without spending a lot of money, I guess it is because we've got given him a, a five-day contract, but it is a change of manager. Overnight, if you bring in the right person, the confidence of people can change. You see a new manager effect happen all the time at various clubs. Um, we can't change a squad overnight. We can bring in a couple of players. You know, you could promote a couple of players from youth if you think they're good enough. But there is a core of players there that are good enough to play at this level. And as angry as I get with watching us play and as annoyed as I get with um, some of the things that they do on the pitch, like getting sent off or, or putting in three out of ten performances, they are good enough at this level to perform. I don't think they're not. So what we need to do is if you if you want this season to mean anything and we're still 10th and we've still got 24 games to go 23 games to go get in a new manager this season is not lost no one is uh walking this league Lincoln, is it Lincoln City at the top? Lincoln City at the top. this league is wide open okay and we have a squad that is there on paper good enough to compete so I can't well, I can fathom for the life of me why Mark Evans isn't putting the plug because he's shown that every big decision this man makes in our football club isn't inevitably the wrong one. But this is short-term effect for possible long-term gain. The time to change a manager is now because these players can do it. But I don't think they will if we continue to have Paul Lambert in charge. Wow, I love it. Love the passionate bit there. Um, I want to go over to another man who's passionate, and that is David um <laughs> how are you doing um what, what what are you feeling at the moment you know the questions i'll just chucked to to ben and tom and of course limbs his stance uh did you think it was the right time for the paper and also i i, pro- I know you know your opinion on the pl- some of the players um so take it away um in terms of paper yes i mean it, it's a hard one because the paper's there to uh, report and represent is not there to campaign. Um, it, I know that you know as a local paper, you you need to keep all sides in there. It, it and it's it's not it's not a campaigning thing. Um, so making that leap from saying, well, the supporters aren't happy that was a crap game, to the supporters aren't happy that's a lot of crap games and he should go is is a big big leap. But I think that they judged it right you know they sort of gave the time gave plenty more time than a lot of fans did but that's because fans take a different perspective they're not there to be reasoned and considered and look at the long term necessarily because they've just been to a game that's that's what's great about the terraces that's what we're missing that's why people go on the multitude of podcasts that there are for Ipswich or for Sheffield or any of the other clubs there's loads of them because people have got stuff to stay but it's right that the paper did it at that time. And I think that the explanation, which was obviously a heartfelt one on the Kings of Anglia main pod, um, was was really, really good. And I and I, I, I enjoyed is enjoyed the right word, but yeah, I did because I I enjoyed the I enjoyed the thought process and the, the fact that it was obviously um something that had been deeply considered. It wasn't just, yeah, that was crap, let's get him out. <clears throat> so I thought that was good. In terms of the squad, we're good enough. You know, you look at it across across the board. It's slightly unbalanced in place. It's, I mean, Thomas has come in and he, he's given um, better balance potentially on the right, which allows you to have 
Edwards on the left, which is where he's good. I may have mentioned that several times before. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of injuries. We've got, but up front at the moment, we've got a suspension. But we've still got two strikers who can play up front. We could play four four two quite happily at the moment because you can put Sears and Drynan. Drynan would be useful with a partner. You know, Jackson can't run, can't can't play on his own because he can't hold a ball back, ball up. Now, the only way he could play up in front on his own is if you were playing the ball on the ground through for him to run onto, which we don't do. Drynan is, he's sort of a poor man's Murphy, isn't he? He's sort of not quite in that, obviously, in that territory, but that's the sort of player, back-to-goal type player. He's not going to get loads of goals. If you had Sears alongside him, you've got a potentially reasonable partnership. To get to going you through, um, we've got what, one strike, one goal is our top goal scorer this season from a striker. Um, we're not getting the ball in there. The players, though, if you look down, the players are on paper good enough. I question whether we've bought the wrong point and they're on their downwards. You know, they're all doing their Jonathan Douglas. I think Hughes is past it. Um. But on paper, they're good enough. I think that there's no reason why people can't make better decisions on the pitch. I think they've shown it before. You wouldn't have had Judge playing for Ireland or um, Hughes playing for Wales or Ward or any of those players if they weren't good enough to play at a high level. We've got players who are young, who've got a lot of potential, who've got um, the slightly disturbing image of Brentford sniffing El Mazzuni I had um, given to me earlier in the week, um, perverts. Um, but you know, you, you, we've got those young players coming through. They're potentially good enough. It's about getting them to make better decisions on the pitch. It's about giving them those opportunities, giving them the freedom to be able to do it. And that comes through coaching. It comes through um, tactical decisions. It, it comes through giving people a sense of self-belief that they can take those decisions. And I th- and reading between the lines from a lot of interviews given by players this season, there seems to be a frustration at times that there's a system and you have to stick to that. And I think that that's one of the biggest things, which is why I, one of the big reasons I want Lambert out. I also want a smaller squad. It's far too bloated. We've got far too many players. We keep stockpiling ones that are potentially injured. Um, Vincent Young, I sort of ghosts around the club somewhere, sort of haunting a cupboard. Um Donassian gets a man, man of the match when he disappears off to Fleetwood. It's strange how he can go straight into the side, get a man of the match when he hasn't played a minute of football this season. And we have to um, sort of shepherd Thomas carefully, slowly, because he's been a regular for Barnsley. Not quite sure how that one works. Um, more crap management. Yeah. To cut it short, the squad's good enough. It's too big. Lambert's a fool. Okay, then. Wow, let's go over to Harvey. Haven't spoken to him for a while. Um, Harvey, your your take on what's been said. Um, do you think it was the right time for the paper? And, yeah, everything else. I do think the squad is good enough. Uh, but I also completely agree in terms of, of, of how bloated it is. Um, and that's been the case for, for a while now. Um, but we're bloated in all the wrong places. You know, we've, we're stacked in midfield now, for example. but 
we've sent, you know, a, a, a perfectly capable right back on loads of Fleetwood. He gets man of the match on the weekend. So we just need, you know, going back to Liam's point, and I've mentioned it a few times on, on previous pods, we we have to have a complete reset this summer. Um, there's so many players I would get rid of. I think you have to be ruthless. Where we are at the moment in League One, I think you have to be you have to be ruthless. Um, but it's been brought up by a few people this week in terms of we are good enough, and, and that's mainly because of of how open the league is and how no one seems to get a grip on it. Um, you know, who'd have thought Lincoln City would have been top of the league or second in the league at the start of the season? You know, this you've got Hull who seems to win four 0 one week and lose. 2-0 to Rochdale the next or whatever it is. So it, it, it is wide open and that gives us a perfect opportunity, as important as it is this season with a salary cap coming in, it gives us a perfect opportunity to to really, really go for it. But unfortunately, we've got a, a manager and a coaching team in place that are not only tactically inept, but incredibly stubborn to, to move away from from a plan A that quite simply isn't working. Um, you know, and it might be slightly contradictory to what we were saying last season in terms of we want a system, we want to stick to it, we want to really nail it down, but we're not that's, we're not playing well with it. We're not nailing it down. So if plan A isn't working, there has to be a plan B. And for me, it's it's not, it's just not good enough. Um, and as, as long as we've got Lambert in charge, and as long as he's determined to stick with this obsessive possession play, um, I know we've been a little bit more direct in the last few games, I've noticed. Um, but as long as we continue with this, I, I just can't see us beating anyone. We're so easy to play against, it's unbelievable. It's so easy to work us out within the first five, ten minutes. So for me, I can't see us going anywhere while we're we're playing the way we are and how we're stuck, um, you know, on this on this one system. Um, in terms of the the paper stance, I have to say I, I think the timing was absolutely spot on. Um, it seems to me that certain people seem to think that it's like football manager and that journalists should be, you know, going to Marcus Evans's house every day, banging on the door and demanding Lambert to be out. You know, if if you listen to the Kings of Anglia pod um, earlier in the week with with Brad, the editor, I thought it was a really, really interesting peek behind the curtain in terms of how these decisions are made. And it isn't as easy as the, they've had a shit few games. So, right, like, you know, let's let's absolutely, you know, call for him out straight away. It's not as simple as that because, you know, we, we go back to the Magilton, um conversation where you know he was the only one that the, the paper called out these days you've got social media which has taken over massively um from from when it was in the Magilton era so headlines like that will be spoken about in 10 20 years time they will especially now with with how big social media has developed since since those Magilton days but these these kind of decisions they have to be thoroughly thoroughly thought of they have to be you know, dismantled in, in every way. What are the pros? What are the cons? And I agree that the papers at the moment are are, the, are our voice. They, they are our voice. And ultimately, I think 
they've made the right decision in calling for Lambert to, to, to be replaced. Um, hopefully that will push the club in, in a, you know, in a, in a, a bit more of a, it'll push them a little bit more to, to get him a replacement. Um, but I thought the timing was, was bang on. Um, and I know I've gone a bit, bit of a tangent, but it annoyed me to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I think it's perfect timing. Um, hopefully we can get someone in sooner rather than later because even if we beat Crew on the weekend, I still want him out. Wow, great way to end there. I want to go over to you then, Thomas. John, I will come to you very soon. Do not worry, my friend. Um, you can segue into the next part of the podcast. But Thomas, everyone said what they've got to say, but it's now over to you to say what you've got to say to take it away. In terms of the paper, I agree with Harvey. Um, completely right time. Um, I think it was a bit kind of, well, like you were saying on the podcast, like it Brad Jones described it perfectly in terms of Lambert's had COVID. We've had a break. We come back from gone, come back against Swindon. We've you know we've lost. Yeah, it's fair enough to start calling for the papers, but uh, calling for his job from the paper. Sorry, but it's obviously there's other reasons you've got to think about there as well. And it's he, you know he's he, he's still not a well man, and to call for his job once he's come back from COVID for the first time, you know straight away to call for his head is kind of bit much so I think yeah let it run on see how see what happens I feel like if we'd lost a Burton it would have happened then probably um but of course that, that kept the sort of quieting things down a bit and then we had a rubbish performance against Posh and it was time time to start calling for his head and then obviously you know the paper is one of our main outlets at the moment because we're not we can't be in the ground so yeah I always had the confidence that they would turn and call for his head when it was time but um Obviously, and, and it was time, and it was perfectly timed, um, perfectly thought out. So no, no arguments with that at all. Um, in terms of what Liam said about getting people back into, the, you know, people leaving, cancelling direct debits and stuff. Uh, I won't be cancelling mine because I've got a direct debit. It's all paid for, paid for at the start of the season. So there's no point in me cancelling the season ticket now for a start. But um, and I'll probably renew. It's, it's you know, especially with how things are at the moment, you kind of miss. No matter how rubbish it is, miss going to the Portman Road every Saturday for a home game. And once we can start going back to that, I'd love going back to it. Hopefully, it won't be Lambert still there. But, um, but yeah, uh, I think the way I see it, it's got like this before. It's probably a little bit worse now, but I think it's it's worse now because we're in lockdown. That's one of the only things we can talk about, think about. But three years ago, it was this bad under Mick, and they all came back once he, you know, ticket sales went up once he went. And obviously, we've all gone downhill again uh, in terms of tickets and stuff. It's gone back down to how it was back then. But I think the fact is, if you support the club and you, you're passionate about the club, you will come back once it starts getting better again. And I think it will get better once Lambert's gone. So um, in, in my eyes, that's that's what's going to happen. Obviously, we don't know when Lambert's going to go, so it's going to keep going downwards. But you replace it with a with a decent man um, and yeah and John I'd much rather getting told to fuck off like Mick told us than I would being belittled and told how wonderful each game is when we're playing absolute shit uh, so it is definitely is worse now but I still think we'll come, the fans will come back once the change is made in terms of the football and the players we've definitely got a good enough squad to get us up um, it's just poor management I mean I, it was, I can't remember what podcast it was or what after game it was but I remember Stu Watson saying um saying it was before Christmas that 
the way they were training, they were passing it about and they were taught to pass it at the back and bring it forward, cross it in, back of the net. Obviously, that's just training. It's not on the, the real thing. And that's just what they're doing it each day. I can't, and, you know, it just shows that that's just how they're being taught to play under, under this management. Obviously, it's probably changed since because they have gone a bit more direct now. But at that time, that was plan A and there was no plan B. And they were sticking to that plan A. It just wasn't working. So you bring a new man in, Paul Cook, Cowleys, whoever, it's it's gonna it's gonna change the way we play. They're gonna have new ideas, fresh ideas. It's gonna be integrated into their minds, and obviously they'll start start playing the new manager wants them to play. And we've got the players to do it. You know, Downs, who was interested in Premier League clubs at the beginning of the season, we've got Edwards. We haven't got no strikers at the moment. We've still got Jackson to come back, Norwood to come back, um, KVY if he ever does come back. And obviously we, we haven't got a right back at the moment. But whose fault was that? It's Lambert's. It's not not the players' fault that Dalashin's been shipped off to Fleetwood and gone had the best performance of the season but you know man of the match for them and he hasn't even played for us at all so it just kind of shows what Pratt is is doing this and I remember I think it was this on Twitter this week as well um I can't remember who said it but when Mick came in mentioned him again mentioned the ghost but when he took over Jewel apparently when they beat Birmingham or Jewel against Birmingham I can't remember I can't, did he draw his first game no he won 1-0 he won 1-0 yeah. yeah um when he came in apparently after the game he had a right go at him telling him why if you could do that for me, why couldn't you do that for Paul? You know, it, it it's just the way things are at the moment, I think. And it's just the, if, if Paul Cook carries coming with fresh ideas, it's just gonna change the way we're playing and the squad will be able to grind out the results, in my opinion. Well, John, take it away, round up this conversation and also start off as well with your your opinions on crew. We're going to look at the the games in February. We've got a lot of games in February as well. Um, so also give me your take on what you expect, um, the amount of points you reckon we'll get in February because we've got, you know, we've got, of course, crew this weekend, but that's still in January. But we've got Blackpool, Peterborough, Shrewsbury, Northampton, Oxford, Hull and Doncaster. Of course, mixture of home and away games. Um, take away. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of sense spoken by all the lads so far, really. Um, so I'll try not to repeat too much um, what's been said. But do I think that the current squad is better than it's performing now? Absolutely. So I agree with what uh, Liam's been saying. Marcus Evans and the future of our club is a massive issue. But actually, in the short term... A simple change of manager, even an in-house appointment or an external appointment, has to be at least as good as what's happening now. It can't be any worse. And if we are to make a change, we need to make that change now to allow that person chance to have as many games as possible to make their impact. And most clubs, when you get a new manager, do get a new manager bounce and a pickup of form. You get some players who will raise the game, rightly or wrongly, maybe even if it's just 1% or 2%, um, hopefully 5 or 10%, you know, new ideas, freshness, maybe played in the right position, a change of formation or whatever. I think that change needs to be made. So, um, yeah, I do think uh, the squad's good enough. Is it as good as we perhaps think it is? Well, that's up to the squad to prove that. At times last year and at times this year, we've seen our squad do okay. We've seen them do well. We we you know we reminisce about things like our Blackpool performance earlier in the season. 
you know, we played really well that game. We took our chances. We looked full of confidence and we were sharp and incisive and we had a threat. You know, we started last season so, so well and then threw it away. The league isn't that strong. So with a new manager, I think our current players could still salvage something. And it, even if they can't, it can't be worse than the Lambert right now. And if we were to bring in a new manager in, how many players do we say rosters is out of contract? Is it 27, did you say? 29? 26, 20, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who do we want to make the decision on some of those players? Lambert? Or do we want the person who's going to be in charge beyond that? So let's get that person in now. Let's get Bishop and Edwards signed up straight away, right? Let's not piss around with that. Let's just get that done. But let's say the players, you've got a few months to earn the right to have a new contract in the summer. And before people are, um, let go who will might um, regret letting go and end up keeping some of the dross, you know, let that new manager come in. Um, I wanted to refer to... Uh, the timing of the, the uh, East Anglian Daily Times, I think they, I'm, I've been, I got a little bit of stick on Twitter about um, just kind of kissing backside and a couple of other people said like, we're, you know, we're happy clappers and we, we just wheel out and say whatever, agree with whatever's been said. I just think Stu and Andy and obviously Brad and Mark and, and yourself, Ross, have sporting a hell of a lot of sense you ha they haven't jumped in and been emotional like us fans are. They're being measured. Um, they're being sensible. And actually, if you've got a brain, you look at the way they've been talking in their articles, particularly, and the level of pressure has been, the questioning has been there, and it's been increasing. And I think the, 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 the questioning of um, Lambert um, has grown, you know, when people start referring to Mr. Lambert and putting the full quotes from the from the uh, interviews rather than just the, the kind of highlights that shows something and anybody with a bit of intelligence can read into that. I think it's been considered, thoughtful and measured. And I think um, list, anybody who listened to that pod um, on, God, was it only Monday? It seems like weeks ago, um, could say that this has been a really considered an insightful and uh, calculated decision. So yeah, I think it is right, and I think they are ready. Uh, they were right to ramp up the pressure. Going on to this season and the game on Saturday, we're playing Crew. I actually think that Crew have possibly been the best organised, uh, most entertaining team we've played this season. And have they got the the same budget we have? Have they, they've just sold a couple of, or sold the captain, haven't they, this week, I think. Yeah, um, yeah one of the young fullbacks. Um, have they got some of the quality and ex-internationals that we have? Or No, they haven't, but they've, they've got an identity and they've got a way of playing and probably a little bit of flexibility and maybe a plan B. You know, Lincoln, have they got a bigger wage than us? Have they got a bigger squad than us? I bet they, they haven't, but they're performing as a team. So, you know, get a manager in and a coaching team, because I don't think it's just about the manager. I think it's about the the, the, the little team of um, uh, management team that coaches involved and get the best out of these players we have. You know, I think crew 
are clearly getting the best the best out of their players. Lincoln are getting the best out of their players. Arguably, Hull are getting the best out of their players, etc. We are better than we are showing at the moment, so make that change. Um, we do need an all overhaul of the squad. Um, and, and if you're interested, me and Ross recorded a YouTube uh, chat about that. Little put plug. Ross released that today, um, and that's available. Have a listen and let us know if you agree with some. I know Liam's already told me I'm mad for keeping some of the players I suggested we keep. But for me, we need to say goodbye to Hughes, goodbye to Judge, bye to Sears, possibly bye to Ward. We need some more 25 and 26 year old. Um, we'll probably keep Chambers. We'll disagree on that one. Um, um, but you know, generally. We have got a squad that's good enough, but we are underperforming. I'm just going to read a screen captured some of um, Stu Watson's um, piece of the night. Um, I think Stu says either yesterday morning or Tuesday night. Uh, in uh, eight games against the current top seven, we, we haven't picked up a single point and we've only managed to score twice. In our home matches against Hull, Charlton, Portsmouth, Peterborough and Sunderland, we've lost by an aggregate scoreline of 9-0. We've got six losses in our last seven outings at Portman Road. It's now a club record of 19 successive matches in which we have um, failed to lead at half-time. It's 20 defeats from the last 33 live televised games. We've only won three of those 33. It's 19 points claimed from the last 16 games, and we're 10th in the third tier. What do we have to do to get rid of this man? Is that not the, you know, that's the statistics. Like, it's time to make the change. He has to go, has to go. I know he's not well, and I sympathise with that. I've still got side effects from COVID that I had in September, and it's not nice. Um, I wasn't seriously ill, thankfully, but it's 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 horrible. But... I still go into work and I'm still doing my job and I've still got performance management. And if I'm not doing my job, there's consequences. And football is a different industry. It's a results-based um, business. And our results, our statistics are appalling. There's no green shoots of recovery under him. We're not playing attractive football. We don't look like changing it. And, the, uh, and we're, we are going downwards. I'm not saying going down. You know, it's not that bad. No, it's not that bad because the league's worse. But, yeah. you know, it's relegation form at the moment. If you took that, if we start the, the season, in the, you know, we've got, what, 19 points, did I say, from the last 16? Um, 16 games. That's relegation form. Averaging just over a point a game. That's not good form, is it? So what's it going to take for... Evans, I think a defeat by the Mikey crew on Saturday might come closer. I hoped, like lots of fans, that Wednesday morning this week would be the time the decision was made. And I listened to the pod uh, last night. Um, that's Stu, Andy and Mark and yourself, Ross, were talking about the possible timings. You know, let's make that change like now so that new manager can come in and have that impact on the squad. Um I would like to say a new manager can't do any worse. So you'll only know if the squad's good enough with the change of manager and that manager can make that decision about which players to keep and which of the long-term dross do we need to get rid of. Um, so as as on Saturday, we're playing crew. Now, hasn't it come to a thing that we're playing crew away 
and I can't see us winning. I can't even see us scoring. So am I saying it's a nil-nil? Is that the, the best I can hope for? That's a sad reflection of being an Ipswich Town supporter that we're going to crew, and I'm not being disre- deliberately disrespectful to crew, but come on. We can't see ourselves scoring against crew. That's sad. That is really, really sad. So I'm going to go for a 1-0 win to crew on, on Saturday, Ross. I just can't see us scoring. I wish I could. I just can't see it. And then we move into February. So we've got we're ho- a home to Blackpool. I'm going to say a point there. We're going to get a 1-1 draw. Away to Peterborough. Uh-uh. Um, away to Shrewsbury. Oh, like I can't see us unless there's a change. Can you see us winning at Shrewsbury? I'm not so sure. Let's go a point there. Let's be optimistic. Another one-one. <laughs> home to Northampton. If we can't win at home to Northampton, what the hell is happening? So I'm going to go for three points there. Then we'll get beaten at home by Oxford, and then Hull will absolutely destroy us, and Doncaster will de- um, beat us at home as well. So I'm going for what? For the last game in January and all of February, what have I said? A loss, a draw, a loss, a draw, a win, a loss. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's me being optimistic. Five points. Let's make the change now. Let's change the narrative because with a new manager, we've got hope. With a new coaching staff, we've got hope. But if we stick with Paul Lambert, I can't see anything more than five points from those list of games. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, well said, John. Thank you very much, as always. Um, let's go over to Ben. Um, once again, it's been a while since we've uh, spoken to you, but of course, we've got a lot of people on this evening, but it's all good chat. Um, how are you feeling going into this game against Crew? And uh, it's a big February ahead, a lot of games to get through Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, and all that jazz. Um, so, how are you feeling going into them games? And uh, Crew, can we get a win? First of all, I'll uh, start off with Crew. Yeah, I mean, Crew, in my opinion, have been, have been the best team to turn up at Portman Road this season. You know, they played really well, ambitious football. They played on the front foot. They played in our own half. And I was really impressed with them. And I thought they were very unlucky not to walk away with anything. But will we beat them away from home? Personally, I don't think so. I can. They have a lot to play for still. So for me, in my opinion, I don't think we will beat them. For the February games, I reckon we'll pick up nine points, maybe. I reckon we'll beat Blackpool, if Blackpool aren't that good. Peterborough, we'll lose to Peterborough. Shrewsbury, now Cotterill at Shrewsbury, he's uh, unfortunately still in the hospital, and that's very sad, so I hope he gets well. But Shrewsbury, they're not doing too well at all at the moment. They lost last time out against Sunderland, so I reckon we'll beat them. Northampton, we must beat Northampton. Northampton are a tin-pot team. Oxford will lose to Oxford and Hull, well, yeah, I reckon Hull will beat us as Hull are really the team or the top team in League One, in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm not too optimistic. I reckon the next couple of games will basically determine whether Paul Lambert keeps his job or not. If we lose every single one of them, he's inevitably going to get sacked. If we win some of them, even if we win one, that I reckon, yeah, he's going to stay for a bit longer. As I said, these are all very important games. But yeah, it tells you where we are at the moment when we don't feel too optimistic about beating teams like Crew. You know, like a couple of years ago, Crew were in League Two. You know, we were in the Championship. We were like, 
a big team still. And, and we still are a big team, but it shows you where we are. And it, it's a case study on how far we've fallen and on how much neglect the club has had in the hands of uh, both Lambert and Evans when we're sitting here right now discussing why we possibly can't beat Crew, Blackpool, I don't think Blackpool are that good, but there are certainly teams and we can all look through the uh, fixtures, we can all garner up our own opinions. There are teams there that I genuinely don't think we can beat. Over to you then, Tom. Uh, how you feeling going into this Saturday and uh, February as well? A big, big month ahead for the football club. I'll tell you what, fair play to you, Ben, for calling out Northampton as Timpot. I certainly wouldn't be taking any shots at any teams right now. <laughs> um, the position we're in, I, I don't want to be talking down to anybody. Um, and I, I appreciate you saying we're a big club, but at the end of the day, that counts for zero. As we know, that counts for absolutely zero. So I'll try and, it's a fine narrative, but I'm going to try and steer clear of the teams like X narrative that we're that we're playing because um, it counts for absolutely zero right now, especially with the way that the club's it, uh, position our club is in. Um, the crew game, I, I've just put it here because I wrote some notes before the call. Crew game Saturday, oh god, um, because it's a team that played well uh, when they came to Corton Road in I think it was Halloween night, um, and certainly deserved at least a point. They they dominated the possession, dominated shots, shots on target. We were fortunate enough to get a goal from Ollie Watkins and hold on for the three points, just about. But, yeah, I, I don't know where the next next win's going to come from with the way things are going and the manager staying the same. I don't know where we're going to get a win from. I, uh, John also said earlier it was 16 points from 16 games. I, I, I had it that we had 10 points from the last 10 games. So, if I'm saying we're going to get six from seven uh, next month, that, that almost marries up to, you know, the most recent form going back a few months. Um, yeah, none of us, quite rightly, have any confidence in the next month because there's nothing to be confident about. And I don't want to bore um, anybody listening with, with previous points. I'll try and keep it um, keep it switched up. But I did say there's only one thing we can do right now in the short term for confidence is to change manager. And with a new manager or with an interim manager, depending on how you, how you approach it, would our perceptions of next month change? Probably not right now. But if you saw one or two performances that strayed from the norm from someone else in charge, you've immediately got building blocks to work on. Right now, it's it's like a whirlpool. And it's sucked so viciously that there's no way that we can get out of it in the current situation with players or manager or anything just because it's not there there are no building blocks there i struggle i mean it was hard on on saturday uh, sorry on tuesday night against sunderland 80 minutes to see what our game plan was i appreciate that going down to 10 men obliterates any game plan it doesn't matter who you are or who you're playing but going back to the peterborough game there's just no identity about this team at zero like even if um Lambert was steadfast, sticking to something that he'd done before. Um, that's something. But the fact that he's made changes almost every game this season, some yes have been enforced, shows that there's just, there is no building blocks at this club with this man in charge. The only building block, quote unquote, is the five-year contract you've given to the manager. But as 
we can see it's not it's not working and hasn't worked for 18 months so um hopefully that's the email i've just received saying that lambert's out but i doubt it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'll let someone else speak and uh, and go check on that okay then um, over to you then david's uh crew this weekend oh dear and then the week ahead um or the month ahead in february a big one indeed um I've been looking at form and things. Crew, I think, will lose. Um, although crew aren't in great form at the moment. There's a lot of draws wandering around there, so there's a possibility at the outside of a draw. And it depends whether at the end of end of talking I'm going to be wildly optimistic or, or rather I think that um, I've been too pessimistic. Um, my gut reaction says that crew are going to win because we're still going to play one up front um you're still going to have the same set of problems we're still going to get pulled all over the place they're good technically they're going to create gaps and our defense has not the faintest idea how to organize itself um you know what you could do we could do with finding somebody who play who works at the club who perhaps was an england captain an international defender who could come into the first team and organize the defense in some way it's a shame we haven't got one of those working anywhere near us, isn't it? Um, it's a bit like having no cover at right back. If, if we had a player who could cover right and left back and an emergency centre half, that would be a really useful player to have on the bench sometimes, wouldn't it? Um, shame we didn't have one of them either. Um, no, crew, I think we're going to lose. Blackpool, Blackpool uh, um, picking up. They're, they're, I mean, they're 15th now. They're not as bad as they were when we played them earlier in the season. They've got new managers. They've got a lot of changes first early doors, haven't they? Um, and we took, what, four chances out of four in that game? I mean, good luck on finding four chances in the next month, quite frankly, from our, from our team. But four chances <laughs> in one game, you don't often take all four of them. So we'll lose that one. Peterborough, pff, dead loss, isn't it? Um I incidentally had some very nice conversations with Peterborough fans this week because um, that video where I ranted last year seemed to have resurfaced and <laughs> some scoundrel um, dredged it up. And Peterborough fans were quite delight delighted in, in doing so, but they, they were very nice about it when I, when I responded and said, no, fair play, you deserved it. So credit to Peterborough fans for that one. Peterborough will lose heavily. Shrewsbury I originally had down as a win um, because it's Shrewsbury. Just, you know, it's Shrewsbury. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a look and they've won. Th they've got one defeat in the last five. They've won three of them. They're on the up. So um, that's a tricky one. And as we know from Swindon, just because you're in the bottom half of the table, that doesn't mean to say that we're going to win this season. Last year, it was bottom half of the table, win, top half of the table, gained. That's not necessarily the case now. I mean, the, the number of sides lower down who've run us really close um, becomes quite alarming, doesn't it? So Shrewsbury, I'm, I'm tempted to go for a draw with Shrewsbury. Northampton, um, right down the bottom, I think that eventually we win just because of the sheer, you know, sort of we do have some quality players and sometimes it, it carries on. And so I think Northampton will win. Oxford... Um, five straight wins, top half of the table. You know, their, their playoff hangover seems to be over. So that's a guaranteed loss. Hulp, they're organised. They're, they're organised, we'll lose. 
Doncaster third in the ta- fourth in the table. We got turned over there last year, didn't we? Um, and we were marginally better in places last year, perhaps. Yeah. So um, I've got a grand total of four points between now and the end of um, February. If I'm being wildly optimistic, I can make that into five. (laughs) And I am naturally an optimistic person, but that's not done me very well in the league table, has it, of predictions where I keep being optimistic. So it it has to go down as four points, a draw and a win. Uh, roll on Northampton for that glorious <laughs> moment of a one nil win. Um, yeah, and I'm going to watch them all, aren't I? Fucking idiot. <laughs> we all probably will do as well. So, uh, what's your what's your score prediction for the crew game? Two nil. Two nil. We'll make a substitution in the 75th minute. Um, we'll have a shot somewhere around the 60th, which goes over the bar. Um, it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be amazing. It's a hard work. Um, can't ask any more of the lads. They've they've given everything. Um, yeah, and, and, and possession, absolutely superb. Some of the football we played around our own box was just phenomenal. Um, the the passing bet- between. Ward and McGuinness before they gave the ball away for uh, um, somebody in the crew team to to score was was just outstanding. You should have seen the triangles in that back corner. Okay then, Harvey, over to you. Um, are you going to have a better February ahead for us to look forward to, or are you similar to everybody else? I wish I could be more positive, but um, I've pretty much spot on with with John's predictions um I I try to be optimistic and being optimistic at the moment is 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 five points to be honest with you I honestly think that's how bad it's got um Blackpool are a bit of a funny team one week they can I think they beat Wigan 5-0 the other day didn't they um and the next week they you know they seem to they seem to um kind of dip between forms so maybe we might we might catch them on a bad day you know we've talked about the Peterborough and Oxford games I think there's no point even making a prediction on them because it's it's certain in my book that we're going to lose I'd love to be proven wrong but I don't think don't think I will um Northampton you'd expect this to win but you know you'd expect this to to have won a lot of games this season when we should have when we should have beaten teams like that and, and you know, it's not always it's not always happened. So uh, it's really really difficult to try and to try and see more than five points, in my opinion. Um, so I think I, I'd have to go with five. Um, maybe sneak one more win in there, but I'm not very confident about that at all, to be honest with you. Um, especially as as we've discussed the, you know, the stubbornness of of this four three three system that we're refusing to go away from. Um, so yeah, five points for me, and hopefully, you know, if if we get a new manager in that time, then you don't know the new manager bounce. Um, but I can't see that happening. I hope it does, but I can't see it happening. So yeah, I'm going to stick with five points in terms of crew on Saturday. Um, I think crew are a really, really impressive side. I have to say, 
they've got some really good players. I know they sold um I know they sold their right back, which I I think is pronounced is it or N G. I can never Carry I don't in. know Yeah, I've, I've, ne- I've never never been able to, to figure out which one it is, but he's a really, really good player. Um they sold him to Cardiff. Um Harry Pickering, the left back, is in talks mm-hmm. with various championship clubs, I think, by the sounds of it, who is a really, really good player. Um but the thing with crew is they just they these players will depart and they'll bring someone else in from the academy. So um, those players will be a mix. Um, I don't know whether Pickham will play on Saturday or not. I don't think a transfer has gone through yet, but um, they're their kind of main outlet. They play some really, really good football. Um, I know they had an off game on, on Tuesday night, was it, or Wednesday night? Um, and their manager, David Artel, had some, had some harsh words to say by the sounds of it. So, I think they're going to be bang up for this one, I have to say. Um, the danger man for me is Charlie Kirk. He's he's outstanding for me. Um, a championship player at the very, very minimum. Um, in fact, I, I, I put 100 quid on him being a championship player next season, to be honest with you. I think he's that good. Um, so, Luke Chambers against him um, it gives me nightmares, to be honest with you. Um, so, I'm going to go with a 3-1 win to Crew. Jeez! Um, oh, I know. Um, so I, I I think they they're capable of scoring goals, crew. The way they play, um, I think I'll, I'll go for a Thomas goal. I think he looked the the only lively player really on, um, against Sunderland, cutting in from the right hand side. So as much as I want Town to win, I can't see it happening. Um, as I said, I think Crew will be up for it. They'll be looking for a reaction. Um, after losing in midweek. So I can't see anything other than a defeat um, for me. And that'll rank up the pressure even more. And as David said, there's no point listening to the post-match interview because it'll be the same thing. Um, you know, dear, oh dear. Indeed. And uh, speaking of David, he's got his hand up. Take it away. Um, if we get rid of the idiot after crew um, and we appoint um, Cook, Cowley, Harvey, John, yourself um doesn't really matter um bottle of beer would do better but if we appoint somebody else after the crew game then i'd go 14 points by the end of february uh i would love that but that's not going to happen <laughs> but uh, well uh, yeah but anyway thomas um i think david's drank too much um how are you feeling going into john's, crew john's got his hand up Oh, John. Oh, I can't see John. My screen oh, is pretty right. much broken, but... Go, John. Uh, John, go ahead. Sorry. I was just... I've just had a wave of optimism. I've just remembered <laughs> one of our youngsters has signed a new contract today, and he's a prospect. So let's find a little bit of optimism somewhere. That's... I've just remembered there is a positive somewhere, and that's Alkin Baggett signed a deal, hasn't he? So I just thought, you know, whilst we're talking talking about doom and gloom there is one little bit of good news so i just popped into my head i didn't want to lose that thought sorry to interrupt you thomas that's okay but you know he won't play so ah, anyway <laughs> i've got a hand up from ben i think so i'll go over to you thomas in a sec but ben you've got something to add my friend uh yeah you know like relying on the youngsters in my opinion will will be absolutely key because you know they are our, our foundations and you've seen how many of them have gone on to have good careers. So, yeah, I mean, also to throw something into the basket 
if I will. Would uh, Kieran Dyer, would he make a decent tip switch manager? I mean, maybe a bit early for him, maybe not time just yet. But yeah, just throwing a name out there just in case Paul Lambert decides to leave tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, I think we, we all hope that. Um, Thomas Sen, um, basically answer Ben's question and also go into your, your thoughts of February ahead. I still think it's odd that Paul Cook's turned down Sheffield Wednesday and Cardiff in the past week. It does make you wonder whether he's secretly been talking to Marcus. I mean, Marcus has history of it. He's been talking. He talked to Paul Lambert before he sacked Hurst. He obviously talked to Mick before he sacked Jewel. Talked to Jewel before he sacked Roy. So he he does like to underhand these managers. And it, it does does make me wonder whether there's been something there. It might, might not have nothing to do with us. It might be another team completely somewhere else. But it, it has got me thinking that maybe... Paul Cook is the one who's coming in, especially if we lose on Saturday. That may be just being a bit optimistic. Um, I would take Dyer with Butcher at the helm, uh, with Butcher as, as his right hand man, sorry. Um, yeah, like with the money that we've got with Lambert, you've got to pay off, sorry, to pay off Lambert or, or what with the contract. Um, it'd be a good choice in terms of if you want a cheap option. And he's, he's definitely passionate about the club, so. Um, Definitely a good option there, in my opinion. Especially, we've got the players to do it, so it wouldn't hurt. But yeah, um, in terms of crew, uh, I found out today they haven't had a clean sheet since 17th of November. So, you know, it's such love a stat like that. I think it's like 12 games. So as soon as, as, soon as a stat like that comes up against Ipswich, you know it's going to be broken. So for that reason, I can't see a scoring. Especially when we'll play one up front, we'll have... Um, could also have Dryden up front, I guess, or maybe even Freddie, but I can't see him bringing Freddie in. Freddie's a striker, but he doesn't play in there, partly down to Mick, but there we are. Um, so it'll be a, our normal formation, Dryden up front, and we'll just struggle to score. Thomas will look good, but ultimately we, they'll, we, we'll, we'll give them a clean sheet for the first time since November, two months. <laughs> um, I spoke to the Realman podcast as well earlier, um, just to get a bit of a insight into how things are and Harvey's already said one point I was going to make in the fact that Kirk and um, Pickering look good on that left side you know they're overlapping runs and they're big left big attacking threat on that left hand side and especially when you've got Chambers a 35 year old with the legs that he's got it's, it could cause trouble for us um, on that right hand side for us um, especially, especially if Pickering stays I mean it's, I think it's Blackburn today wasn't it who's been talked about offering a bit so there's there's the chance that he might not even be playing but um so that you know the left hand side there is definitely a one to watch for them um i've got omar beckles as well who signed from shrewsbury who i quite like the look of i haven't seen much of him but from what i've seen he's a decent striker for this league so one one to watch as well up front for them um in terms of their season as well like they they they, the, the podcast they told me that you know if you'd ask them to start the season, they'd a bit of hands off of where they are now, or hands off where they are now. They they're loving it at the moment. I think I know, I know that uh, the last time we played them, they had a good run of form, and they don't think they're as good now as what they were then. Obviously, they've lost a few players, so that, that does make sense. I mean, they they've just come off a ten unbeaten run um, before Gillingham, but six of them are draws, so they have they have been struggling recently, and you know their performance have perhaps dwindled a little bit. In terms of the last time they played us, they feel like it's the best performance they've seen this season against us. Um, they were obviously the best team we've seen. I'll say that all so far this season. Um, the best team we've played against. They were very unlucky to lose against us. 
I mean, they had like double double the shots on target that we had. Double, you know, the, everything about that game was just theirs to lose. And unfortunately, they unfortunately for them, they did. But um, it's just one of those things. So for that reason, I'm going to go go the same as David two nil. Um, I can't see a scoring. I think they'll get two. Uh, it's, it's just written on the wall. Um, hopefully, Lambert will go. Can't see it happening now. And then in terms of February, I'm not very optimistic either of Lambert in her, at the helm. I think we'll draw a Blackpool, we'll lose to Peterborough, draw a Shrewsbury, we'll beat Northampton, draw of Oxford, lose to Hull, and lose to Doncaster. So I think that was five or six points there. Oh, so, oh. yeah. Uh, oh, God. Doesn't look very promising at all. Um, if he goes, great. Like we'll, we'll get 15, 16 points easily, I think. With a decent manager at the helm, with fresh ideas, co- co- more confident players, um, players who want to play for the manager. Uh, it's just just how sad things are at the moment. And we'll only keep getting worse the longer he's here. All right, Liam, over to you. You've heard what the lads have had to say about February. It looks like another bleak month ahead. Um, I can imagine you're probably going to copy that. Um, so how are you feeling about going against, you know, your boys' crew. We, we unfortunately can't go to Gressy Road. We can't have a tour of Liam's um, hometown. Uh, but maybe one day we can. Uh, but how are you feeling going into this game and also February? Oh, God. Um, not much different to the rest of the lads. Um, and in terms of doing a tour of crew, well, there's not much to see. So um, <laughs> it'd be a very short tour. Um, isn't, it, but... isn't it a bigger station? Just quickly, it it it's, it is um, the uh, one of the biggest station junction, biggest junctions in Europe, I think, for uh, railway. So, fact so, of the show, uh, yeah. fun fact of the show. There we go. Carry on. Um, well, actually, my granddad used to take me to Cruise Station when I was growing up. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a a tourist attraction for Crew, <laughs> and but. That, I mean, I'll make the first point about Dyer and Butcher that's been mentioned. I mean, I've got fond memories of Terry Butcher having lived up in the Highlands. He he took uh, charge of uh, Inverness, the team that I support up here, um, and got us back into the, the Scottish Premier League and uh, almost got us into Europe before he ran off to Hibs and relegated them, which was quite funny. Um, but... Um, I wouldn't be against him. He's got a lot of, of, of experience alongside Dyer as a cheap option if, if that's needed. If, if if he decides to take the, the, the plunge and pay off Lambert's deal, um, which incidentally, I've seen some stuff suggesting that he's been paid half a million, which is which is like massively more than any other manager in League One, which, if, if, if that's true, is is just an absolute scandal. Um, but I, 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 if, if it's going to be a lot to get rid of them, then um, I, I, I don't mind maybe seeing Dyer. There's nothing to lose, is there, really? Dyer, Butcher, and, and just give them a go. And if, if they help Town recover and get up, hurrah. If they don't, well... If they do okay, maybe that's an option to continue with, um, which which links me into Crew nicely because Crew are that sort of club. Um, now they are smaller than Ipswich, but it it's a club that maybe Ipswich should be looking at 
and and thinking about modeling themselves on because for crew have forever been the team that have a great youth academy and have brought through players um time after time and of course they're not going to get anywhere they're they're a small small club um small town in terms of where they are in the country um and they won't be able to keep hold of these players and have success with it but what they do is they keep themselves going using the money that they make massive profits from these young players that they they uh, ship out and they keep doing it it's it's a production line david artel was a crew player before he um retired and became uh, the player coach during the 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 slight scandal with uh, dario gradi um to do with obviously the um child abuse kind of uh, scandal that was going on um and he's done a great job he he took charge of crew in the bottom division and and he slowly built something got them into league 1 and I, as as thomas said there i don't think anyone in crew would have expected them to be anywhere near a promotion push towards the championship and maybe that just shows you how inconsistent the league has been that they're they're in there but but they do play good football and they base it all on their young players. Uh, there probably will be a few others moving on before the end of the window. But that's the thing. They've got a lot of good talent um, and they mix it up with with a few experienced head. Chris Porter up front has scored quite a few goals for them in the last few years. Um, they are they are, they are a, a, a well-run club um, and... Frankly, I think Ipswich needs to take some lessons, which shows you how far Ipswich have gone and that they might have to take lessons from crew. Um, But that's what Marcus Evans wants. He wants the club to be fully moving forward using the youth system as the platform rather than spending inflated transfer fees. Um, And he's got to to take take that sort of... um, I suppose, evidence from these sort of clubs of how they do it and how they integrate the youth players into their teams and and how it can benefit them long term. So I think overall, they've been the best team that we've seen this year, which was pleasantly surprising. Um, And I think they'll beat town. I think they'll win, as as a couple of the others have said, 2-0. I was going to say 2-0 before everyone got in ahead of me. Um, and then beyond that, I don't see anything improving. Uh, I, I, I would say the only two games where I think Town could get a win is um, the Shrewsbury and Northampton games. And then even then, David has kind of thrown a little bit of doubt on the Shrewsbury game with the form that they've been in. Um, so, <laughs> to be honest, we can rule out three already. Uh, Doncaster, Hull and Peterborough, who are all ahead of us. We're not going to win those games. We're not going to get near them. Um, it's not just going to be being beaten. It's the manner of the defeat every time. We can't touch these teams. We don't look like we're going to cause them any problems. And I know we've just lost narrowly to Peterborough and Sunderland, but on both occasions, they had us pretty much in, in their pocket all the time um with and then it was only in in the peterborough game in the last 15 minutes where we actually looked 
um, like we we were actually going to score a goal when we suddenly went for it, which I just don't know why we can't do that from the start of games. Um, so I think we'd lose all three of them. Oxford, it, it's a complete contrast. Um, having played them earlier in the season when they were so far down in the table, we were in the playoffs at the time. Um, and all of a sudden, they're one point behind us. Um, it's it's it just shows you the, the 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 time since we've played them that we've gone so far down and they've they've made up so much ground. So I can't see us getting anything out of that. Um, and that then just leaves us really with with Blackpool and the other two that I've mentioned. Um, I think Blackpool are inconsistent, but then. I don't. I have no confidence that Town, even if Blackpool have a bad day, that Town can take advantage. Um, and the other two, Shrewsbury, decent run. Again, we should be winning, but again, no confidence. And Northampton, we should be winning. Um, and I think we would win that game. But to be honest, I, I can. I can't really see any better than four or five points on the Paul Lambert in that run. And if that is the case, and Paul Lambert is still in charge by the end of that Doncaster game, then forget about the championship next season because that, that it'll be gone. And whatever Marcus Evans decides after that, it'll be far too late. OK, then. February is going to be fun. Uh, Thomas, got a hand up. Uh, just a, just, I forgot to mention a bit about Baggett because John alluded to it. I was going to put it in my bit, but I completely forgot. But yeah, I think it's positive news. and. Uh, Good to see, but he has got a lot to answer for because now I can, all I think of is Bagpuss now whenever I see his name mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> He's got many different nicknames. He chucked a lot of nicknames in the WhatsApp group, and I was like, God, stop, 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 my friend, stop, stop, stop. Uh, but that, that is at least some good news. Um, him tied down to a new deal, and of course, I think next um, episode of Games Extra Time we'll be looking at all the players out of contract because there's a lot of players, and we're going to decide who gets what. Um, anybody else want to chuck anything else in before we wrap up um, after another big podcast? Anybody else want to say anything before we go? Ben? Uh, would you mind if I quickly plugged something? No. Uh, so at the moment, there are, are a lot of people out there who are in a tough situation, whether they've lost their jobs, whether they're struggling financially. And every week uh, I do this thing on Twitter where if you're ever struggling with money, if you ever want to watch an Ipswich game, well, you know, you can simply DM me if that makes sense. And yeah, I will provide you with, uh, with yeah, a match to experience on iFollow. So yeah, that's open out there to anybody who's struggling financially or to anybody who wants to watch a game. I'd always be happy to help out and uh, provide. Cool. Well, well, well done, Ben. And uh, yeah, unfortunately... It's not going to be great football, but there's something to watch for them, of course. Um, but there we go, then. The end of Game Day Extra Time. It's been a pleasure, as always. Thank you, Ben, Tom, for joining us. And Thank also, you. of course, the Game Day regulars in John, Liam, David, Thomas and Harvey. And, uh, wow, if you want to get involved in future shows, what you've got to do is just basically DM me on Twitter at Ross Media UK. We'd love to get as many fans' voices heard on the podcast. Talk about... The uh, the lovely current times under Paul Lambert and uh, the yeah the future ahead and stuff like that. So, anyways, I've been producer Rots and please, please hope February is a better month. But um, I do not think it will be. Anyways, see that guys. Bye.
from true crime to football, Brexit to Popeville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.